On today's episode of Hungry for Wisdom, can God ask you to lie? Well, God can do whatever he wants, but he doesn't want to do that. The Holy Spirit is about to open up a can of witness on some prosperity preachers, and you ever see that bumper sticker that said God loves you, but everyone else thinks you're an idiot? Well, this verse is the opposite. Everyone loves you, but God thinks you're an idiot, and he apparently doesn't mind telling you so. It's episode 85. Turn it up! A weekly headbang session. The only time I somewhat lament not having long hair. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've never lamented you not having long hair. Oh, but getting my beard long again. You could. Dude, no, I'm going. It's it's fall growing season. We're getting close. It's like an annual thing. Oh, yeah. All right. And it usually around August, I I, I stopped trimming it, and now I'm going to start getting it nice and big for the Santa. What's the logic behind the the, the rhythm? Um, Honestly, it gets hot in the summer Uh, and thick beards. I mean, I, I have all but mad respect for our thick-bearded gentlemen that, that are attendants here. But, man, the skin, it just is murder on my skin. You know. Well, so now the, the whole co- world knows about that. Yeah, so, so is the copious amounts of sugar that I also <laughs> eat is murder on my skin. So, And our global audience is now up to speed on your dermatological issues. Exactly. So, got that going for us. All right, guys. Like and subscribe if you want more of this. Um <laughs> By the way, I got this thing on my, my foot, and now that we're doing um, video, I can show them this thing that's between my toes. You really don't have to do that. Well, I can't. I'm not flexible enough for that, actually. We're back here with Ben the Bearded Beaver, party on the top floor. What up, dog? We got the podcast princess, Bailey. Good to Woo-hoo. see you, sis. And uh, this episode, episode number 85, is dedicated to who, Bailey? It is dedicated to that one guy at Dutch Bros that always says, Fire, fire. Oh, my gosh. So I remember, like, they put this Dutch Brothers right next to um, my farm in, in Corvallis. Not right next to. It was about a mile and a half away. But I would always stop there because when I was taking care of my mom, who was um, who was dying of cancer, I, I needed coffee, and she really didn't have much coffee in the house. Mm-hmm. And so I would jump in the car and go there. And so I'd always be greeted by those folks. And and. and to be to be fair, Dutch Brothers has got it done right, where they have a very friendly person greeting you, and 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 sometimes and overly so. It is sometimes overly so, especially for you know, especially like you know, like six o'clock in the morning when you're trying to, you know, drive a vehicle safely. And they've already had too much. They're like, "Hi, what you doing today? Tell me about it. Yeah. I want to know everything about you." And sometimes I'll like go, "Yeah, I'm taking, um, I'm, uh, I'm getting coffee because I'm taking care of my of my dying mother today." <laughs> to watch their face. I'm sorry. It was totally. It's 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 a it's an evil thing. Probably in my heart. You know, just no. like watch their face going. Oh, I don't, I don't know how to feel that ball. Yeah, yeah. I, do, I do the same thing to him because as a pastor, sometimes you're going to some messed up situations, right? And so they're like, <laughs> but they, at Dutch Bros, especially, I swear they get trained yeah. on this. Like, totally. Yeah, and so it's, it's like, okay, how do you start a really deep conversation that's only going to last? 20 seconds right and yeah. so you, you pull up and they're just like hey man tell me what you've got going on today and i'm like uh i'm going to actually counsel a family who lost their youngest son to suicide at 13 years old would you like more information skippy and then they get all awkward and you know whatever yeah so and so there's the guy right we just we were i forget where we were we were we were driving somewhere and we stopped by dutch bros and, and it was just like i don't even know if the guy was really even listening it was just like, I would just say, oh, yeah, fire, fire. <laughs> it was so good. Was that about it? Yeah, that was about it. We were just saying our normal order. And for every single drink, he'd go, fire, fire. <laughs> like, oh, and I want an Americano. Fire, no cold, please. Fire. <laughs> exactly. Wow. Well, whatever your name is, Corvallis Dutch bro, this one's for you, man. Let's get into some wisdom. Oh. Proverbs 6, verses 12, all the way through 15. All the way. Taking a big chunk today, man. Dang. Got to read the scriptures in context. Know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Fire. Fire. <laughs> oh, this is going to be a long episode. It's only going to be 14 minutes, but it's going to be full of that. Here we go. Proverbs 6, 12 through 18. A worthless person, a wicked man, goes about with crooked speech. Winks with his eyes, signals with his feet, points with his finger, with perverted heart devises evil, continually sowing discord. Therefore, calamity will come upon him suddenly. In a moment, he will be broken beyond healing. I just realized, man, this is the second proverb, the second week in a row where Solomon is just slamming a dude. Like if people just jumped onto this podcast and subscribed two weeks ago, they're going to be like, all they do is just yell about how people suck. Yeah. 
Yeah, let the text speak for itself. Here we go. This one can be confusing. There are uh, there are phrases here that are basically like ancient slang, and we don't use them anymore. And so uh, it's it's kind of hard to understand it the first time you read it. Like, what's what's wrong with somebody winking and pointing? So verse fourteen here tells Wait, us. Is he talking about used car salesman? I think clearly. I mean, they didn't have cars. For, it was by the way, used we do. If you are a used salesman. car salesman, we do. You know, especially if you're a member of Grace Street. We got two of them here yeah. that are solid, dude. And they're solid. They're Isaiah. Solid. Yep. And, um, and he's, uh, where's oh, he at? Lescovar? Yeah. He's over at, um, <clears throat> I think he's at Lescovar, right? The Ford the Ford dealership, right? Is Isn't he? he? I think he's part of the Ford dealership down there off a of canal. Go see Isaiah. Isaiah Darby. And yep. then uh, Sony Ramirez yep. out there at McCurley. Yes. Yeah. And Sony's awesome. Yeah. Sony is a brother. He's studs. a dude. Both of these yeah. guys, absolute studs. So if you want a car, they'll get you. Yep. The exactly. typical used car salesman thing, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, Bob's your uncle, no, I mean, that guy, Solomon, is taken to school here. Verse okay. 14, with perverted heart devises evil, continually sowing discord. What he's saying is this guy is a conspirator, and it seems like he's giving nonverbal cues to his co-conspirators, right? So he doesn't say things, he insinuates them. He doesn't make statements, he drops hints. Proverbs 2.15 calls this guy perverse. That Hebrew word meaning, uh, it means twisted in the mouth. So he's got a twisted mouth. This guy's mouth is so crooked you could open a wine bottle with him. He's called here in verse 12 a, quote, worthless man. The Hebrew word for that is Belial or Belial, which is interesting because Paul picks this word up in the New Testament and he seems to kind of use it as a term for Satan or something satanic. 2 Corinthians 6 14, he says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? So, at the very least, he means worthless men. Paul does here when he says Belial. What what partnership does Christ have with worthless men? But in this context, it seems like he's talking about Satan. But whatever, what's what's clear here is that this is a satanic way of dealing with things. Conspiring to divide brothers and do it in such a way that, you know, once he has destroyed everything, he can throw his hands up and say, hey, I didn't say anything. Hate I that just crap. asked, I was just asking some questions. Yeah, did God really say? Anyway, that's not the godly way of doing things. Now, I'll admit it. I have been accused of going too far the other direction. Ben, shut up. Every now and then, produce. <laughs> Producer Tim calls me up and he's like, uh, dude, you, you can't say that on an episode. Like we have to edit that before we have to take that out before we publish it. And a few times that I've said these horrible things, I've been like, yeah, okay, you can go ahead and take that out. Usually I'm like, leave it in there. Uh, so we'll see how last episode goes. (laughs) And if we left it in there, you guys will all catch that joke, but you can fall off of both sides of this horse. You can say too much or you can say too little, right? But there's this false belief that the Christ-like person is the one who doesn't say anything verbally abrasive. But you can't come to that conclusion by reading about the life of Christ. No. He was doing it all the time, man. He shows his teeth sometimes. So where does that come from? It comes from Belial. Right? It comes from a satanic way of thinking. Hey, suppress the truth because it's rude. Don't say it because it violates a moral code that didn't come from God. When you don't say anything that's upsetting to people, what always ends up happening is you signal with your body instead. Right? It's the eyebrows. It's the it's the jaw setting. It's the whatever. It's body language. And God sees that. So if you're wondering if I'm talking too much about this, consider the fact that this isn't the only place in the Bible that it mentions God's opinion of body language. Proverbs 10.10. 10, whoever winks with his eye causes trouble. A babbling fool will come to ruin. Proverbs 16.30. Whoever winks with his eyes plans dishonest things. He who pursues his, uh, he who purses his lips brings evil to pass. Psalm 35, let not those rejoice over me who are wrongfully my foes, and let that let not those wink the eye who hate me without cause. For they do not seek peace, but against those who are quiet in the land, they devise words of deceit. Lastly, 2 Corinthians 4, which is one I'm always hammering home because this is how we ought to operate. We have renounced disgraceful and underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. So here's the point. All communication comes from the heart. That includes nonverbal communication, and the Lord looks at the heart. So when your body language is in accordance with evil behavior, it's the same as if you were speaking evil. And Solomon's point here is, dude, just say it. Like, at least then you'll have something on the table to deal with, right? Just say it, dude. Speak the truth in love. Be tactful, right? Use manners. There, there, there are rare occasions where 
dispensing with manners is the right thing to do, but usually use manners, right? Be straight with people. In other words, don't be worthless. Stop it. Stop it. Thank you, Pastor Greg. That toss was fire. Fire, fire, fire. Dude, if, we had done, if I had done that a couple of weeks ago, nobody would have seen it. The, the glory that was my, my blackjack dealing right there. Wow. Yeah. I'm just going to bask in that for a second. Hold on. Dance break. All right. Let's make some disciples. Ben's going to start dancing here at some no, point. No, I don't dance. <laughs> but you could. Mm-mm. I mean, you could. You, you really don't want to see that because then you really would be chanting fire, fire, but <laughs> for a completely different reason. <clears throat> oh, this isn't that. What are we doing, Bailey? All righty. So we that's got... A, that's a more metaphysical question. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. All right. We got a question from Michelle. Uh, she says, I was born and raised in a brand of Pentecostalism that I later learned had terrible theology regarding the Holy Spirit. We treated him like someone who was there to help us do magic tricks and get what we want. So I know that's wrong. But what is the right way to relate to him? What should I be expecting from him? What is he expecting from me? Since he is God, how can I glorify him without going off track? Can we just take a moment and appreciate the awesomeness of this disciple? Yeah, just wanted to... Not wanting to throw the baby out with the bathwater in the sense of like, look, I learned, you know, just to totally eschew any kind of spiritual work, right? Yeah. You know, that, you know, be like a complete like cerebral person, right? And or it's only on, you know, like it's holiness is one more Bible study. Exactly. Yeah. Totally dig it. Yeah. Yeah. This, this question is, hey, I just want to serve God. How do I do that? I'll take that it. every day of the week. Love it. Times Love 12. It. All right. So, how do we Riley read the last part of that question again? There's a couple questions in there. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Uh, but what is the right way to relate to him? Good. Uh, what should I be expecting from him? Love it. What is he expecting from me? Uh-huh. And then since he is God, how can I glorify him without going off track? Oh man, okay. So yeah, I'm I'm just basking. I'm gonna I'm gonna start out in I need to look at those questions. Yeah, I'm gonna Good I'm gonna ones. start out in Acts one eight. All right. So let's let's talk about purpose first. So what is the Holy Spirit's purpose in what he does? Okay, because if we talk here, if we get this nailed down, then a lot of other staff, stuff will kind of draft in behind it and some of these questions will get answered, right? So the purpose of the Holy Spirit's ministry on earth is primarily, and we'll list off some other things he does, but primarily it is to testify to Christ. So here's where I get this. If you look through the book of uh, Luke and you look through the book of Acts, well, let me back up. Luke wrote more of the New Testament than anybody else. He actually wrote more of it than Paul did because if you take Luke and Acts together, those are both long books, and they total up more content than all the 13 letters of Paul. So Luke is the primary author, at least um, you know, volume-wise, in the New Testament. And if you look at his whole development of the birth of Jesus up through the first few decades of the church, the ministry of Christ, the beginning of the ministry of the Holy Spirit as we now know it, all of these things, right? What is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? Well, if you go through there and you trace every time the Holy Spirit is mentioned, he is always mentioned in reference to testifying to Christ. So here's my favorite example of this, of the primary ministry of the Holy Spirit being to testify to Christ. Acts 1.8, actually, I'll I'll back up, verse 6. So when they come together, they asked Jesus, now this is the resurrected Lord. They said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, Back off, dude. None of your bees boogers. No, I'm kidding. He didn't say that. Actually, he kind of did. He said, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So we got three elements here that I like to break this down to, okay? We have the Holy Spirit, number one. We've got power, number two, and we've got witnesses. So the Holy Spirit is, well, they're mentioned in the other order, powers first, but the Holy Spirit shows up to empower us to be a witness to Christ. So whatever the Holy Spirit is going to have us doing, it ought to be to testify to Christ. And a lot of people can throw a lot of stuff in that box and be like, well, yeah, but when I do this miracle or when I, you know, when I have that experience, that testifies to Christ in the following ways. It's like, eh, hold up with that. We need to make sure that, that we know what Christ's mission is also. Is this furthering it or not, right? So, you can know if you're relating rightly to the Holy Spirit by if your entire life is about magnifying Christ and not yourself. And here's one thing that, um, you know, the, the more extreme Pentecostals that I talk to, 
this question makes them a little bit uncomfortable because they don't talk about this in their circles. And I think this would be a helpful question to ask. What if the Holy Spirit's ministry to you is, let me rephrase that. What if the Holy Spirit uses you to testify to Christ in such a way that you suffer, you have lack, and you never have any visibly supernatural experiences? What if that's your job? What if your job is to be the person with constant needs that allows the rest of the church to show the glory of Christ by caring for the needy, right? It's not deliverance. It's not healing. It's just suffering, right? Would you still glorify the Holy Spirit for that? And that's that's not part of that hyper-Pentecostalism, right? So yeah, the Holy Spirit is here to testify to Christ and he will use you to do that. And that's how you can relate properly to him is being on mission with him. So that's one foundational piece of the answer. Yeah, I think that it also reflects, um, you know, uh, what Jesus says about the Spirit in uh, John chapter 16, right? He says, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So there, there's that um, sometimes what they call the spotlight ministry of the Holy Spirit, nice. right? His whole entire design and what he wants to do is he wants to shine the light on Christ. Look at him. Look at Jesus, right? So he empowers believers to do exactly the same thing. And and I think most of us, especially if we're, I've experienced this many times where I'm sharing the gospel with somebody and I do feel like all of a sudden the scripture's just flowing. Yep. Why is that? That's because there is someone called the Holy Spirit dwelling within me saying, hey, right? I think even in the eternal ministry of the Holy Spirit, when we hear the gospel, I mean, I, there's there's probably not a time where I don't hear a gospel presentation where I'm not like, yes, Jesus, I love it. <laughs> you're one of, the, one, of, you you're one of the funnest people to preach to, by the way, oh. because when I'm, when I'm up there preaching and you're in there and I'm like, especially, <laughs> especially if I mention the book of Hebrews, I was like, and so Jesus is doing this and Ben's going, he's like, like barely able to contain it and then i'm like and then like it says in hebrews and he goes Woo! <laughs> i'm all head banging to the so this you sermon. Are, yeah you head bang to the gospel <laughs> you get this. the dulcet tones of the rhythms of christ in yeah. you <laughs> yeah so good but yeah i mean like there's and there is a lot of other stuff that the holy spirit does for us sure. such as like you're saying the the um the opening our eyes to be able to understand the gospel first mm-hmm. corinthians 2 14 and 15 right yep. um the Ephesians 1 13, the sealing of the Holy Spirit, uh, Romans four and Galatians four, how he, uh, Romans eight and Galatians four, how he, um, testifies within our hearts and cries out Abba father. Right. So he, he gives us that, that, um, experience of being adopted. He translates our prayers for us when we don't know how to pray as we should. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Mm-hmm. So he does a whole lot of stuff. He gives us spiritual gifts and ensures their interaction or their, their, um, their, effectiveness i don't Mm -hmm. want to say interaction but all of that is to testify to christ right but he does a lot of things just personally he he's the comforter he's the counselor he gives us wisdom and guys what you just mentioned there is a beautiful thing where whatever scripture we have read it's like it's in our head somewhere and that's like a library that he draws from and when we need Mm -hmm. it he just runs to the shelf grabs the the verse and boom it's right on your tongue a lot of times when you need it so it's really important on our end to read the scriptures and to stock our head full. Amen. But what he does with it once it's in there is super cool. Oh, yeah. So he does a lot of stuff other than um, what we would be able to say like, oh, hey, look, he's testifying to Christ right now. But that is the general thrust of things, right? Yeah. And even when he's ministering to us directly with something like being the comforter and just giving us a peace that surpasses understanding, even that is proof of how much Christ loves us. So yeah. it's not disconnected, Yeah, but that is the primary... Thing well, he's doing and 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 this can be this can be you, know, you can go off the rails with this too but i think that that the discernment ministry of the holy spirit right i i've i have seen baby believers react to false gospels i got a story and i and and it's like they have this allergic reaction to someone preaching i i don't understand but i don't like and 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 it's it as i mean the guy may be a compl- he's 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 presenting his argument clearly but you're just like this I don't like this. Yeah, something smells wrong. Yeah, and that is something that is not to be discounted, right? Again, yep. you know, we, we we live in a modernist society, which we're always trying to be cerebral, and we're always trying, but to understand, no, there's something that the spirit that he has made to dwell within us goes, uh-uh, yeah. <laughs> disagree. <laughs> your, your divine BS meter is redlining here, bro. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, so the first time I went on a mission trip um, as, as a pastor here, uh, I was the only pastor, 
And so I called a guy that I had known from a long time ago and I said, Hey, do you want to come and preach a sermon? He had a different ministry going on. And so he was like, yeah, totally, man. I'll fill in for you. So he comes and he, he preaches and a new guy, shout out Chris McCarty, by the way. Um, he's, he's gone to be with the Lord now. Um, today would have been his, uh, his and his wife's anniversary, but anyway, uh, well at the time of this recording, that will no longer be true when this is released, but he had just gotten saved. Right. And so I get back from my trip and I hadn't listened to the sermon yet, but I called him to talk about something else. Like, Hey, I'm back. Do you want to talk about that thing or do that thing? Whatever it was. And, um, he was like, yeah, Hey, something was up with that guy that was preaching. And I'm thinking, ah, Chris is a brand new believer. Like he probably just heard something doctrinally precise and he thought it was weird. So I said, all right, tell me about it. And he was like, and he tells me this guy's been saved like a couple of months and he tells me, well, I don't know, man. It was just like, there, there wasn't a lot of Bible in it. And I thought he was going to teach us the Bible. And it was just like, why would you get up there and talk and not talk about the Bible? And so anyway, he did mention a verse like later on, which I guess was cool, but that wasn't like the point of what he was saying. And so it seemed like he was just kind of using God to support his point. And I'm like, I didn't show up to hear you talk. I want to hear from God, right? And I'm sitting here listening to this thinking, this dude is discerning the crap out of this situation. And so I went back and I listened to the sermon and I was like, this is horrible. Like, this is really bad, you know? It turns out later on, the guy was at that point wrapped up in an affair and doing all kinds of, you know, nefarious shenanigans, which are two words that should always go together. And, uh, you know, he ended up disqualifying himself from the ministry. And I didn't know that at the time, obviously that he was wrapped up in that, but the baby believer sniffed it out. Now, how does that happen? How does, how does a new believer know that something is off the discernment ministry of the Holy spirit? God just hooked up his boy. Yeah. So we talk about well, that's the purpose, right? Or what is what does he do? What should I be expecting from him? Obviously, point you to Jesus. Yeah. And everything <laughs> else the Bible says to expect from him. Yeah. yeah. Discernment, and comfort. The, exactly. Now, what is he expecting from me? Such a good question. That's a great question. First off, worship because he's God. Yep. Right? So we don't want to go too far away from our hyper Pentecostal, you know, um, punching bags here. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> I mean, I said friends, Pentecostals are our friends. But I think we're talking about a brand of hyper-Pentecostalism, which is like off the rails. We're talking about prosperity, theology, yes. and exhibitionism, and things like that. Like, that's got to yeah. stop. Interviewing demons. Yeah. I know. Come at me, Vlad. No, I'm not. Right. Oh, I'm not coming at you. No. Oh. No, that was an invitation. He'll never see this. No. Someone's going to share it with him. <laughs> I would expect that that level of spiritual in would have him just vibrating with like, I'm receiving a message. Anyway. Um, so... Dude, I'm so lost right now. Oh, yeah. We're, we don't want to overreact to that and say, so don't keep talking to the Holy Spirit, right? Only talk to God the Father in the name of the Son. No, the Holy Spirit's God, right? We, we want to interact with him reverently and with, with worship. So it's a good thing to pray even to the Holy Spirit. Like generally, yeah, we pray to the Father in the name of the Son, but you can pray to any member of the Trinity. Like mm-hmm. this is a good thing. So what does he expect from us? Worship and full honor as God and full submission too. Yeah, Holy Spirit's leading you to do something. You test it against Scripture to make sure you're hearing it right, and then you do it. You know, it's interesting also in what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter four, uh, in some of the um, in some of the examples or admonitions to the church of of biblical change. He says, um, "Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such for as good for building up as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear." And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. That The idea that the Spirit can be grieved when our... I would dare say that when our actions really work to seek to undermine the, the, the fellowship yeah. of the saints, right? Yeah. What does the Holy what, what What does He expect from us? He expects from us to to be not unified just for unity's sake, right? Being unified under the gospel, which of course is part of his spotlight ministry on Jesus, but he wants the body of Christ to be functioning as the body of Christ. Yeah, because this is the visible yeah. showcase yeah. of Christ on earth. Which goes to what Paul when Paul gave his, when Paul talks about the Spirit's gifts, they are for the edification of the body. What does he want us to do? He wants us to build one another up, to encourage one another, to, yeah, call maybe call each other out on sin, and that's perfectly a legitimate thing to do. I think that that's, yep. that's something we can be expecting, or he, he should be expecting from us. For sure, yeah. What else can what else should he be expecting from us? I would say um, right doctrine. Yeah. Which does not mean complete understanding, but we should seek to speak accurately of the Holy Spirit. Because, by the way, I, 
I think, and I'm not sure this is the most um, theologically sound way to put this, but I think that the Holy Spirit, if we could talk in such terms, is maybe the most demonstrably humble of the three, right? Oh, yeah. Like Christ and his humility gets a lot of attention for how much, how far he lowered himself. And he deserves every bit of that. Philippians two is a big deal, right? Just that, that condescension of Jesus mm-hmm. coming to take on the form of a servant and to suffer and be obedient even to the, to death on a cross, huge deal. But look at how much the Holy spirit slides himself into the background and magnifies mm-hmm. Christ and, um, uh, eschews the spotlight, right? Cause mm-hmm. he casts it onto Christ. And so, I think for us to speak of him what is right is honoring to him, necessary, and for some reason, he allows that to not be done most of the time. Yeah. And I think it honors him when we undo that error. Yeah. I think, and you just think of the incredible love that is existing inside of the Trinity when you have the Spirit of God humble, you know, in, in many ways, humbling himself so that God and Christ are glorified, and He is just as ecstatic about that. In fact, <laughs> again, if I'm if I'm thinking about the test, the inner testimony of the Holy Spirit that dwells within me, what happens when I see God exalted and when I see Jesus exalted? You it's get like pumped. He is, and and I think that's a spiritual energy. I think He's yeah, like yeah. boom, yes, run that way, right? When and and I think it it should give us cause for concern when all of a sudden people want to put the spotlight on on Him or maybe even His ministry and i'll use scare quotes on that right you know like you know, all the all the miraculous stuff and and that becomes the emphasis instead yeah. of the emphasis on christ well it's the same it's the same error that people made in john six with the feeding of the the five thousand yep, right absolutely so they were like hey give us some more so, so jesus does this miracle and he feeds them and does all this cool stuff and then he starts saying weird stuff like hey eat my flesh and drink my blood and they were like thanks for the lunchable dog i'm out and they just took off, right? Why? Because they weren't after Christ. They were after Mm -hmm. the miracle. I like the way um, uh, John Piper, who's going to be a guest on our show here, he's going to call in in a minute, Um, (laughs) I think. Anyway, yeah, maybe. (laughs) Come at me, John. Uh, So... (laughs) But he, he said it in a really helpful way. He said, he said Jesus points at things and miracles happen, and people are so fascinated with the finger that they ignore the person that the finger is connected to, right? Like, don't get distracted by this stuff. And that's what happens when the Holy Spirit does wonderful and visible things is we get distracted, forgetting that this is all supposed to trace back to a Savior who is directing our worship towards himself. Yeah. So, anyway, all that to say, don't get caught up in the hype get caught up yeah. in, in Jesus Christ himself and the Holy Spirit will empower yeah. that process. Yeah. And I think that last question, how do I glorify him rightly? It's like, man, just f- run after Christ. Dude. Do exactly what he wants you to do. Dude. You know, pursue pursue unity within the body of Christ. All of that stuff. You know, I had a, uh, a weird experience once where I was preaching a funeral and right beforehand I went to Dutch Bros and they asked me, where are you going? No, uh, so I'm, I'm preaching Fire. this funeral. Fire. <laughs> And there was cremation involved in this funeral, so maybe so. Um, but it was a it was a gal, Christian gal, so she's with the Lord. It was not a tragedy, but it was sad. And I'm watching the husband, the the brand new widower, mm. in the front row, and he wasn't crying. He was smiling as people were telling the stories during the the open mic, the Q and A. And I'm watching this guy, and I'm just like, that's really interesting. He was having fun at his wife's funeral because he was listening to people tell honoring stories of his wife. Right? Like yep. he was enjoying it. She was exalted and he was satisfied. Yeah. I think that's a great picture of the Holy Spirit testifying to Christ. That's good. Yeah. All right. So I think we sufficient. By the way, I, I also just think it's so amazing when you see people who maybe were brought, grown up in these various traditions, um, you know, especially hyper Pentecostalism, and then they then they just then they hear like the gospel and all about Christ. And all of a sudden it's like, it, it, they just get, it's like launched. Mm-hmm. If they get launched in the stratosphere, dude, we got know? so many people in our church that yeah. are like, they, they got saved out of an errant brand of Christianity and they actually met Jesus and he was less showy than they had yeah. always been told. Right. Yeah. And they love him. I mean, far yeah, more. they're brought up in, you know, industries with like, you know, smoke machines and lasers yeah. and, and, and glory hyper. clouds. Yeah, exactly. All that stuff, you know, glitter and everything. Like Did you ever that. hear about the glory cloud down in Bethel? <laughs> I've, I think I've heard about it a couple of times. So much fun. Yeah. There, there was like a cloud that was coming out of the vent and they would pray in a certain way with, you know, the, the tongues and the, the, you know, should about a hundred, but about a Yamaha type of stuff. And anyway, so then this, this cloud of glitter would come out of the vent and they like, did they were like, the Holy spirit is here. It was like, that's glitter. 
Is there any way to possibly be more distracted from the actual gospel? Yeah, and and but then when they when they come in there, they actually get more excited about Jesus, and and, and they're just the converts. Oh yeah, yeah, they're like rabid. They're like, like, I met him. Yeah, this is awesome. I've been I've been barking his name for years to staple it to a magic trick, like she said, right? Yeah. And then I finally met him. He's way better. Yeah. Oh, dude, I was in Kenya one time, and uh, I was I was preaching this revival. Now, I didn't know I was preaching a revival. They brought me. They were like, we're going to go to a revival. And I'm like, fire. And so we go to this revival, and then the, this guy gets up there. His name was Apostle Nicholas somebody. Super nice guy. I had met him before, but I'm like, you know, he's one of these guys running around calling himself an apostle. Okay, well, we got some differences here. So he gets up on mic. He grabs a microphone, hundreds of people, and he goes, I love the Holy Spirit. And I'm sitting in the front row, and I'm like, this is about to go off the rails. And predictably, it did. So I'm going to tell the rest of this story because it has nothing to do with anything, but it's fun. So I get uh, picked up for this revival, and my driver's name was Mulu, Joseph Mulu. And he had this, you know, this really deep African voice or whatever. And he was a super Pentecostal dude. And I'd gotten to know him over my time there a little bit. So he and I were getting to be good buddies. But he was, he was just a very energetic kind of guy, bigger than me. And so he picks me up, and he's like, we're going to go to the revival. Are you ready to take it to the next level? And I'm like, the next level? Like, what's wrong with the level we're at? Dude, like, I don't, I don't know what the next level means. And he goes, okay, we're going to take it to the next level. And so we drive to this thing, and we get out. And then we, uh, we, the Apostle Nicholas does his thing, and then they call me up to preach. And I'm like, oh, I wasn't ready for this. And so I get up there, and Mulu is now my translator. And he's like, he whispers in my ear, he's like, take it to the next level. And I'm like, what are you talking about? So anyway, I was like, okay, I don't know what's going on here. I don't like the whole performance vibe. It was like, dance, monkey, do something energetic. Be the American that entertains everybody and whatever. So I was like, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to sit down on the front of the stage and just put the microphone right here on my chin. And we're just going to talk for a while. And I, I explained the gospel for, I think it was like two hours on sitting on the front of a stage, super calm. And he would, he didn't want to go with me at first. I was like, Hey, Mulu, come here. And I sit down and he's like standing back. He's like, what? What do we, I'm like, Mulu, just come here. And so he kind of like gingerly sits down on the stage, right? And then I start talking. We get into a rhythm. He's a good translator, and on we go. So I explain the gospel. People come to Christ. It was awesome. We get back in the car, and he, I get in first, and then he goes around the driver's and I'm like, I'm about to get in trouble. Like, he, he's going to be like, bro, what the heck was that? Like, we brought you here from America to do X, Y, and Z, right? And he gets in the car, and he puts his hands at 10 and 2, and he just stares at the steering wheel. And I'm looking at him like, he's going to yell at me. And he goes, you took it to the next level. <laughs> and I'm like, what is this you guys are expecting? Like, I don't know. They're, and the, 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 funny, the funny thing about it to me was like, this particular brand of Pentecostalism is always chasing some sort of experience. Yeah. And in trying to not feed that beast, I gave them a new experience. And they were like, oh, it's a new experience. The Holy Spirit must be here. And I'm just like, this is entirely counterproductive. He was present in the preaching of his words, so, you know. Yeah, I mean, Psalm 20, verse 3. He is enthroned on the praises of his people. Right? Yep. Like, that's how you magnify Christ. Yep. All right. Amen. All right. I got more worthless stories if you want them. <sighs> we may need them. I can take this to the next level. All right. Fire, fire. Okay, Bailey, hit us with the next one. All right. This is from Joshua. He said, I was wondering if you do something that is not a sin, but also not inherently a blessing, like a neutral thing uh, that you believe God has asked you to do, but you later find out it was not God who asked you. Do you still get rewarded for obeying God? That reminds me of that scene in Pirates of the Caribbean where he's like, I'm reading the Bible. We're not immortal anymore, so we got, to, we got to take care of our eternal souls. And they're like, you can't read. And he goes, it's the Bible. You get credit for trying. <laughs> Probably not inaccurate, by the way. I don't know. All right, so if you do something that is neutral, not good or bad, but you thought, if I'm understanding this question right, you thought that God was telling you to do it, but you were incorrect. Do you still get credit for trying? I want to I wanna pause here and take a rabbit trail. I don't think there's, strictly speaking, any such thing as a neutral act. There's either stuff that's done in faith or not. Yep. Everything that does not proceed from faith is sin, right? So. Yep. Okay. So let's. So with that paradigm, then. Yep. Nothing is neutral. Mm -hmm. It's either pleasing to God or is displeasing to God. Now that doesn't mean that we don't have freedom to do different things. He leaves decisions up to us, and Certainly. some sometimes one decision is as good as another one. Right. I could go left or I could go right. I can get to my house two ways from here. They're both equal. 
but the act of going home to my family is morally good, right? Okay, so so you can you can get home to uh, you know seven twenty you know, Cherry Tree Lane in Richland. If I see you staring at me while I'm sleeping tonight, I'm slinging <laughs> lead, bro. I love you, but this church existed before you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, people. I'm not going to shoot my pastor on purpose. <laughs> Look, warning shots in the dark hey, sometimes you know, are unpredictable. Yeah. All right. That's fair. Yeah. And if I actually am mean, staring at you through your window, I definitely need to, I need to be evaluated. I hope that you call the guys with the white coats. Yeah. I don't have any guns anyway. They scare me. So um, I'm, I'm not an aggressive person. It's clearly not. I don't know if you've noticed this. I, yeah. I'm a pacifist. Anyway, so if... There is no there is no neutral act. Yeah. It's either done in faith or it's sin. But let's say that you think God is leading you one direction, so you do that and you find out later that's not really what he was saying. Okay? This happens all the time. Sometimes this happens with really big decisions. I really thought God wanted me to marry that person. Whoops. Do you still get credit for trying? Well, I w- it would seem to me that God looks at the intentions of the heart, right? And so if there is truly an, an intention, um, I, but yeah, and again, you know, it's like, for example, I mean, yeah, so many people, especially like in college ministries, right? We're constantly going, what's God's will for my life? And is it is it to marry, you know, this particular person? And, you know... <laughs> I think I think in some ways we we again we we use these ideas like it just wasn't God's will or 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 something like that as as almost um oh, I want to say it's like some kind of mystical magical way for us to eschew our own responsibility for making wise decisions. Come on, right? now. so was it was it right for someone to um to pursue a young woman and then all of a sudden that goes sideways? It's not right nor wrong. I mean, obviously, I mean, if you're sleeping together, then yeah, there's 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 some problems yeah, there, right? That is sin. But if but if if you're choosing and you're and you're desiring to pursue somebody in a godly manner, which is you know glorifying to Christ, and it doesn't work out, was that was that wrong? Or maybe even you thought that like you know God would you maybe maybe either through immaturity or something like that you thought no God had 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 called this one special person for me and all of a sudden you realize well that wasn't the case you know was your heart right okay well maybe you weren't rightly triggered rightly in tune with maybe an understanding of what God wanted for you but okay yeah. fine. But I think the larger thing is, you know, do you make wise decisions? I mean, that's one of the things. I mean, it's whole proverbs, right? Get wisdom, right? So it's so. Are you making wise decisions with what the, with the knowledge you have at the time? And are you and is your heart right with the Lord? And are you, are you trying to glorify Him? Okay, I don't. I wouldn't say. I mean, credit also just seems kind of like God doesn't operate necessarily on a on a, on a credit system. I mean, the credit system is Jesus. <laughs> You know, and, and just, that's it, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, we, there's there's rewards, and we get rewards in heaven and things like that. And, okay, fine, jewel in the crown. But guess what? We're going to toss the crown of Jesus' feet anyway. Okay, so, so there's, there is such a thing, though, as negligence, where you should have known. Sure, right? certainly. So uh, agreeing with everything you're saying, yeah. I also want to interject the the possibility that the reason you didn't know the will of God is because you weren't listening when you should have been. Right. So this kind of stuff happens. Yeah. So if somebody was sitting down and saying, I really thought God wanted me to do this. And so I did it. Turns out he didn't want me to do that. Have I sinned? And I'll say, well, you know, let's check this. Did you, you know, were you aware of that verse that said, this is God's will for your life? (laughs) You know? Yeah. No. Okay. Then right now, now we're, it's our our favorite verse, right? First Thessalonians 514, you admonish the rebellious, Mm -hmm. you encourage the faint hearted, you help the weak. And you're patient with all. Yeah. If they were aware of that verse that says this is God's will for your life, and they just said, "Yeah, but I thought God had a different plan for me," now God's got beef. That's rebellion against the Word of God. Well, and in some ways, it might even be idolatry because you're creating a God in your own image that actually Big. does what you want or or allows what you want to have happen. So there is that possibility of certainly of negligent ignorance, right? Yeah. But then there's also just the fact that. We are but dust, and he knows our frame. Yeah. He will not always strive with us. He has removed yeah. our sins as far as the east is from the west. And as a father has compassion on his son, so yeah. he will have compassion on those who fear him. It's we're not we're not dealing with math here. We're dealing with relationships. Well, precisely. And in that in that same sense, why does God put us within a body so that you can have older brothers and sisters going, no, 
stop it. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and, and to have someone get, you know, that's really not, that, that doesn't seem to square with God's will, you know, yeah. and, they, and, and maybe older brothers are like, yeah, um, pursuing that person may seem like it's God will be, God's will because it makes, makes your heart flutter. But mm-hmm. remember, Jeremiah 17, we have a wicked and deceitful heart, and who can know it? We're going to lie to ourselves. So, yep. yeah, I totally thought that was God's will. Or I have a piece about this particular oh, thing. Oh, I have know. a piece about it. I know. Ugh. I know. The Next time, like, I'm... Fire, no, fire. No. Ice. <laughs> I need some ice. You need some ice on that one. Put some ice on that one. Yes, sir. The, but like the the whole thing about the internal leading of the Holy Spirit, you know, you, you bring up a great point. And I think maybe we've brought this up on the show before. But if not, we have this conversation a lot with people. God has given us three, and probably more than that in reality, but really three mechanisms for knowing his will, right? And so we're not left to guess most of the time. What would be the first one? For those of you on video, Bible. Yeah. So that's, so we've got the internal leading of the Holy Spirit. That is something, right? Mm-hmm. We should listen to that, mm-hmm. but we can also read it wrong. Our hearts can deceive us. Da, 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 da. So we always test these things against the word of God, right? First Thessalonians five, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to that, which is good. Okay. So we got the internal leading of the Holy Spirit, which we should listen to and verify because we don't trust ourselves. We trust him, but not ourselves. Then we've got scripture, which does not change, but also we need to test our understanding of scripture because we can pull something out of context. Mm -hmm. We can misunderstand something, whatever, right? And then you've got the body of believers. And so you've got the wisdom that God has, you've got the accumulated wisdom that God has allowed people to gain through life. So when you've got internal leading of the Holy Spirit, scripture, and testing that against the wisdom of the community, you're going to make good decisions, Yeah. right? And then once you get a few reps around this hamster wheel, then you kind of know the system and you don't need to make full use of every one of those all the time because you accumulate some wisdom. Like that. That kind of thing. Yep. So, yeah. Agreed. Yeah. All right. So, um, so yeah, there we go. What, what's, what's our third question? All righty. So, the third question is also from Joshua. Um, he says... Hey, I'm a curious guy. <laughs> he says, Do you know the movie? Oh. No? Oh, wow. Do. Hoodwinked. The oh, animated no. movie? Yeah. Maybe oh the God. best animated movie of all time. I kid you not. You certainly have a lot of questions. Hey, I'm a curious guy. Okay. All right. Everybody I'm... go watch Hoodwinked. Hashtag not a sponsor. No, is there not? It is phenomenal. I will, I will pimp this movie until I die because it's just that good. And I'll do it for free. Third question. Okay. Um, he said, I was wondering if God can ask you to lie to someone to test you. I feel like God has asked me to do this today as a test, but I also know that God does not and cannot tempt you. Is that a form of temptation? What's going on? Well, you just look pressurized, Ben. Let's um, pop the top on that. So I'm going to go to a little known book known as James. Um, and Hashtag not a sponsor. <laughs> no, but I... That literally didn't mean anything. Yeah. I just threw it out there for no reason. <clears throat> so I would go um, a couple things uh, looking at, um, like James chapter 1, verses, uh, t- verse 12 and following, right? Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial... For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say, when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. Nope. For God cannot tempt with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when conceived, gives birth to sin, and when sin was fully grown, gives birth to death. Do not be deceived. My beloved brothers, and I go back to James uh, 17, uh, 1, 17. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought forth, uh, brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits to his creatures. So the idea here is that, first of all, when you feel like you're tempted, it's not from God. <laughs> Okay, God does not tempt. He's not. He, he he's not like the capricious um, 
you know, Roman and Greek gods that would, you know, send things in there or appear in the form of a, of a, of a hunky dude or a, you know, a, a gorgeous, you know, chick to, 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 to tempt people. This is not the kind of God that we serve. It's not, it's not even the kind of God that's described in the Bible in any way, shape or form. No, that's so, a lot of pagan gods though. I'm yeah. on a kick right now reading Sumerian mythology because I'm a glutton for punishment. And so we've all heard about the goddess Ishtar. Well, I'm actually reading the stories about Ishtar now. Mm. And she was like that. Yeah, but the point is, is that that's not that's not the guy that we serve. So I, I would say, first of all, you you know, again, a good understanding of the God that you serve, knowing the knowing the real God is that He's not going to tempt you to lie, right, um, or to 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 do something which is contrary to His will. So, for example. Um, you know, people say, well, like, I, you know, I just feel like God's really leading me or, or, or leading me to, to, to spend that night with my girlfriend. No, nope, no, stop. You dialed the wrong number. <laughs> you dialed. Yeah. You weren't listening to that God. You were listening to a different God. So to, he, he that does not. That spirit was very unholy. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and, but here's the other part. When you are tempted, what does James say? He says, you're tempted and enticed by your own desire then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, gives birth to death. Our largest problem, I mean, you know, yeah, you can say the devil does tempt. He is the tempter. He is the, the accuser, the brother. Devil made me do a, it. Yeah. You got the world, right? The, 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 the societal pressure that wants to push us away from godliness and holiness and things like that. Yeah, okay, fine. But, man, I'll tell you, our largest problem is right here, or really right here. Yeah. It's it's our heart. And BT dubs, sometimes it is impossible to tell the difference between Satan and the flesh. Yeah. Because there's not that much of a difference. Depressingly, this is true. Sometimes people will ask us as their pastors, like, hey, is this just like me or am I getting tempted by Satan? And the answer is, who cares, man? The answer is the same. Mm-hmm. Repentance, gospel, yeah. spirit empowerment yeah. to fight the good fight, forsake all the darkness and walk in the light. Not through, what's this song? Not through, um, not through energy toil or... Something spent, your kindness is what will lead me to repent, right? So the the whole point of the thing is, where whatever the source of the temptation is, it's not God, and that means you don't want it. So run the other direction, and you don't need to parse every detail of it. Yeah, and and what is what is God's design? Is God designed for us to repent and change? Now, before we get to the Lord's prayer and the lead us not into temptation, which is I think probably the primary um, thing for us to keep in mind in the middle mm. of these situations. There is this issue where God allows and sometimes causes lying to happen in the Bible. All right. First Kings 22, for example, in summary form. And in fact, by the way, oh no, spoiler alert. I'm, I'm supposed to be prepping a whole episode on lying in the Bible because I did a sermon a while ago or oh, something yeah. like that. And I was like, oh, we should do a podcast episode about that and yep. whatever. So I'm not going to get too much into this right now, but... First Kings 22, God says to the, to his angelic host, Hey, uh, we're going to deceive a bad king who wants to go and be a lying spirit for me. And an angel pops up, was like, I'll do the lying. And he's like, make it happen, Captain. And so the angel goes and puts a false prophecy in the mouth of a prophet so that Israel will go and do something bad. So it's like, what? Like God just lied. What's up with that? Right? This is a very different cat. Like people will point to that and say, see, lying is okay. Or they'll go to, um, examples of warfare. For example, First uh, Samuel 21, I believe it is, where Satan pretends to be insane so that the Philistines don't kill him. Um, you mean David. What, what did I say? You said Satan. Satan? No, Satan no. is insane. Yeah, he sin, is insane. Because sin makes you stupid. Totally does. Yeah. No, David, thank you very much. Oh, good assist. Um, David pretends to be insane so that the Philistines don't kill him. <laughs> I was going to say Satan. Hashtag not a sponsor. <laughs> Yeah, what are we, hyper-Pentecostals or something? <laughs> oh, jeez. And so people will look at these things and say, okay, so lying is okay in the eyes of God. Well, this is all outside of the church. We're not talking about spirit-sealed, regenerate yeah. believers who bear the name of Christ. We're talking about some freaky-deaky spiritual activity there that God is sovereign over that we don't really have a whole lot of information about. We just see that something happened there. So there's other ways to explain that. For Christians, the answer is no. And if you think the answer is yes to lying, that answer is not coming from God, which means we don't want it. Nope. With that, we have the Lord's Prayer, or as we prefer to call it, or maybe I just I prefer to call it, the Disciples' Prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Or also could be translated as deliver us from the evil one. 
So there is this truth that God will sometimes lead us into situations where we do have to withstand temptation. And we're asking that he would not do that. Now, the temptation doesn't come from him, but God can take all evil and repurpose it for good. And when you have to withstand temptation, just like Jesus did in the the desert, that's Christ-like, right? When you have to choose Christ over whatever sin you're tempted towards, that is growth in discipleship. That is sanctification. And so he makes these promises where he says, look, when you are in the middle of temptation, God will make sure that you that there is a way of escape, that you're not going to be tempted beyond what you are able. What is this? 1 Corinthians 10. I don't know the verse. 10, 13. Boom. Read it. Oh, no. you, you have it. Of course. We just have to save wavelength, right, wavelength man. man. That's awesome. All right. So no temptation it's has like a over- metaphysical melding. What? Okay. No. No temptation has overtaken you, but what is common to man, God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability but with the temptation he will also provide a way of escape hashtag that you may be able to endure it right so he may allow you to be tempted but there are limits on the temptation he will allow he will not lead you into tempt no he he will not tempt you himself but may lead you through pathways where temptation comes at you and even in those situations he's faithful ooh our last episode, we talked about uh, um, warnings and how warnings keep us on the straight and narrow, right? Mm-hmm. He does this a lot. You take, for example, in Proverbs, since we're in chapter 6, we just got through chapter 5, and we're going to hit it again in chapter 7, he warns us against the adulterous woman. Now, are we ever going to be in situations where we are tempted by an adulterous woman? Yeah, it's called earth. Like, <laughs> this this happens, yes. right? And so God is leading us through all of this stuff and these temptations come at us, but we will never be tempted beyond what we were able. And I think also we look at the purpose of like testing or trials or temptation is like they actually serve as proofs, Mm -hmm. right? Proof of what is already in there. So and refining to make it better. Exactly. And so when you have, when you have God, even if God leads us in these areas where we might possibly be tempted, I, I think that there's also the expectation I can with what God has provided for me, resting in his faithfulness, I can walk through that and actually improving what the gospel is deposited in yeah. here. You see what I'm saying? Dude, that yeah. is, first off, masterfully put. Second, beautiful truth. And third, what a good God we have. Amen. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like this Jesus right here, he deserves disciples. Hungry for Wisdom is a ministry of Grace and Truth Community in West Richland, Washington. You can find out more about us on our app, social media, or at graceandtruthcommunity.com. We love him because he first loved us.